Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Sean McKean, and I'm your host for this morning's broadcast. We are on Romans 2. So if you want to open your Bible, I study, use the Bible study Bible as our format, and uh, you can open your Bible to uh, Romans 2. And the reason why um, I use the Ryrie Bible, which I had never heard of before, uh, about... Mm, Fifteen years ago, I was walking out by the back tra- back uh, near our alley where the trash cans were in Hermosa Beach, California, and uh, I saw something laying by the trash can, and it turned out to be a, this Ryrie Study Bible. And I was studying that particular Bible all those years until it sort of, you know, they get worn out and filled with notes and everything. So. Uh, what I did was buy a new one, and um, I'm still using the Ravi Study Bible. And uh, I just wanted to give you a little story as we open up here this morning for our uh, little service and Bible uh, study. And I want to thank you for joining. And I also want to thank you for the beautiful comments that I've been getting on uh, messages. Um, thank you so much for showing your love and appreciation for what I'm doing because um, I have no idea actually how it's really affecting anybody unless you guys tell me. So I want to thank you very much for that. And let's see, let's go on with our format here. Um, <clears throat> we Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for special focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a I'm a Christian in recovery personally, and um, I'm just focused on being myself and carrying the message given to me. If there's any questions this morning, you can call 619-924-9744, and after we do the initial praying and reading and everything, you can call and you can put your prayer request in or anything else. And um, anyway, Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And um, I've been very sick. I'm at the end of the flu. I feel a little better today. I've had it for five, well, this whole week. So I guess six days. And today's the seventh day, but I feel better. And I want to excuse you if I sound gravelly or um, confused. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's, let's do our opening prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide and their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. 
We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are suffering from domestic violence in their own home and freedom from addiction. We do pray, God, you watch over all the addicts of all kinds and help us get into recovery and watch over them if they find the help that they need and it is available. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect everyone and all your angels to watch over everybody in the world. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the poor animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers, and they have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. Please answer our prayers. We ask this to Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And for everyone and their families, everybody's in our prayers. And we want to thank you, God. Amen. I want to wish everybody a happy birthday, and I wish you a very, very happy and blessed special day and a very prosperous year ahead for everybody. And let's see, and if you don't have a Bible handy, um, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com. So either one of those will work. And um, let's get our Bibles ready. Again, and turn to uh, Romans 2. And uh, let's see. <clears throat> I'll do for you a few notes from last week. Now, in Romans 1, uh, uh, Paul's writing epistles to the Romans. And uh, he is uh, just letting them know, you know, there's a couple of things I don't like about what you guys are doing, or I want to come see you, but here, let me tell you about this. And... Uh, that's what this letter is. So we're kind of overlooking, you know, somebody's shoulder as they're writing a letter. And uh, remarkably, it's saved through these 2,000 years that we're reading it uh, today. So if this was the Romans chapter, let me read the summary. Paul starts off a letter like he does all his letters. He says, hello and greetings. And then his name is Paul. He's a servant of Jesus. He's an apostle. And then uh, he's trying to tell them that he's an important person. And this is a note that I'm reading from Schmoop. Anyway, Paul goes on to offer some short little reflections on who Jesus is, and he throws a bit of Jewish imagery. Jesus is descended from King David and Christian language, too. And uh, Jesus is the Son of God. And then finally, uh, Paul tells us that this letter is dedicated to a very special little church in Rome. And let's put this record on. So that's what's going on. So Paul tells the folks in the Roman church that he has a little prayer for them every day that he really, really wants to listen to listen to him. And he doesn't just want to see the sights of Rome. Okay, especially the Christians don't actually like the Colosseum much. Anyway, that's a side note. He is actually hoping that he and the church really hit it off when he visits, and he's got loads of things to tell him, rich, poor, smart, or not so smart, and Gentile or Jew, it doesn't matter. This letter is for everyone, and Paul's going to lay out all kinds of theology, and then he's pretty confident the gospel is, good, is, is a good work and God is going to save everybody. And it doesn't matter if they're Gentile or Jew before they became Christian. Everybody will be saved. This is because God is so righteous. And uh, a quick theological footnote is that God is righteous. Paul just means that God is always looking to do the right thing. Yeah. God is cool like that. Paul tells us that one thing God doesn't like, that one group of people he's not going to save is non-Christians. And he's the folks to know the truth about God, but 
They've never turned their back on him. How rude. Anyway, everything God has ever done all the way back to creating the world has been like a big, huge neon sign flashing, follow God, over and over. But do these guys listen? No. Anyway, instead they worship idols and other humans. They do all kinds of immoral things, like lying, talking, murdering, gossiping, both things, disobeying. Just to name a few, even people engaged in sexual rituals and members of the same sex are suspects. And God has pretty much struggled, struck his huge and holy shoulders and let them go on with the evil business. What is it I need to do? Anyway, because of all this, Paul says they all deserve to die. But Paul, you know, as usual, is harsh. Anyway, so now we're on, on to our blessed second chapter. So let me get back to this. Okay, everybody get ready for Romans 2. Okay, the condemnation of the moralist. Romans chapter 2. Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. And we know that judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up in wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who, by perseverance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality and eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And there is no partiality with God. For all those who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law, for it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law who be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law to do instinctively the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law to themselves. But in that they show that the work of the law are written in their hearts and their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. On the day then, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. And now it's the condemnation of the Jew. He did not keep the law of God. But if you bear the name Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, and a teacher of the immature, having a law and the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, though you're breaking the law, do you dishonor God? 
For the name of the God has blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just said as it is written. <clears throat> Indeed, the circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgression of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if the uncircumcised man keeps requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he is physically uncircumcised. If he keeps the law, he will not judge you. Who, so having a letter of the law and circumcision are a transgressor of the law. For he who is not a Jew is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart, spirit, not by the letter, and, the, and his praise, not from men, but from God. And that's the most important one thing in this whole chapter, as I'm going to read it again. But he is a Jew who is inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, and the praise, not from men, but from God. So that's why we look to God for all the answers, not to other men. Okay, the notes are two one. Paul now shows that even those who have not committed the sins described in chapter one are also guilty before God. Rightly, and now we're doing two two. Rightly, better according to the truth. God is who is truth, judges according to the truth. They were on two five now. God's wrath results when grace is rejected. Eternal life. God and good works do not Okay, I'm sorry. Let me start this over again. We're on 2.7 now, eternal life. Good works do not save, but are evidence of a changed life. Much of Romans is devoted to this extremely important thesis. Okay, 9.10. The Jew first. The Jew's priority of privilege was also one of responsibility and and the principles of God's judgment are the same for all. And then, without the law, Gentiles to whom the Mosaic law cannot be given, Gentiles will not escape judgment, but their judgment will not be the basis of the Mosaic law. Then, two four, do instinctively. The interaction of non, of conscience and innate morality may result in a good life. To such person, God sends the gospel. Judgment is a basic part of Paul's gospel. The thought goes to back to verse thirteen. Okay, hear the name. Okay, the failure of of the Jew makes him culpable because of privileges he had in the law and the promises of God. He could and should have become the guide and light to those in the darkness. Okay, so Paul charges the Jews with hypocrisy and guilt. And then your circumcisions have become uncircumcised. A Jewish lawbreaker stands before God in the same place as a pagan. Paul emphasizes that the Jewish law was impossible to keep perfectly and uh, the circumcision of the heart. Circumcision is used in three senses in this passage. It stands for the Jews. Notice that the uncircumcised means Gentiles. It indicates the physical right demanded by the law, and it represents, as is here, a life that is separated from the flesh unto God. So, anyway, that brings us to three, so we will actually go on three next week, next Sunday. Okay, so let me see. I have my guidepost, and then I have Angels on Earth. So let's go with Angels on Earth. A uh, new little magazine I'm getting that I love. Um, you can find Angels on Earth through going to their website, 
angelsonearth.org, and you can actually order this publication also, which I highly uh, advise because it's a it's really great. And let's see, we read out of this last week too. So, um, okay, I'm coming to a story. It's called uh, Three Lumberjacks. Trapped in a snowy mountain pass, my young family was in danger of freezing in the Christmas snow. Who could possibly help us? Okay, so that's the story we're reading this morning. And that's uh, Angels on Earth magazine. It's by John Foner, San Diego, California. Apprehension, excitement, my wife... Rosalind and I don't know what we felt more like when we packed our belongings into the rented U-Haul trailer. We had, we'd married young, even for the free-willing 60s, and at 18, we already added a new baby to our family. I had just completed... Excuse me. I had just completed my basic training in Fort Ord, California, which meant I could even eventually expect a tour in Vietnam. Already I worried who would take care of my young family then. For now, though, I was in charge. We were leaving Southern California for my first duty station at Fort Riley, Kansas. We hit the trailer and to our 1958 Rambler station wagon and set off, making good time until we hit New Mexico. Snow, Rosalind said, marveling at the pretty white flakes falling outside. Certainly going to be a white Christmas in these parts, not something we are familiar with. Soon we seemed to be enveloped by slurries, and it was getting hard to see the road as the sky darkened. I turned on the radio and scanned for a weather report. I hope the snow doesn't keep us from getting there on schedule, I said. Being late was simply not an option when you're in the Army during wartime. Rosalind pulled out a map and found a mountain pass that would cut hours off our travel time. We'll take it. I quickly regretted the decision. Towering trees on either side of the road make everything even darker. The snow was falling faster and heavier and pummeling against the windshield. The temperature dropped below freezing. But we'd passed the point of no return and the trailer behind our car made going back impossible. I inched along at a snail's pace, gripping the steering wheel and trying to not to slide off the road. Sometimes, without warning, the real world spun in place, leaving us holding our breath until they caught solid ground again. The heater in the Rambler was on full blast, and I prayed it would continue working. Then the car came to a stop. I pressed the brake, but instead of holding steady, our station wagon slid backward. I couldn't see the back window, and we were were on a roll until we hit a tree. Rosalind held the baby tight to her, and we didn't say a word. After what felt like a lifetime, the car finally halted. Rosalind turned to me, her eyes wide with panic. I, I, I knew mine must have looked the same. Here, we get here. Get in the driver's seat, I said, trying to keep my voice calm. I'll see what happens. So they were rolling back. Be careful, she said, squeezing the next to me and our little son in her lap. Outside the car, I was blinded by icy wind and snow. When my eyes adjusted, I saw the trailer had a jackknife and folded against its hitch until it was nearly parallel to the car. Its rear wheels were near the edge of a cliff. I couldn't let my wife and child out in this cold, the baby especially. I groped desperately around the snow until I found some rocks big enough to brace against the wheels. I tried to rock the trailer until I was convinced it was secure. Then I rushed back to the car. In a ditch, I lied. No one needs to scare Rosalind, too. 
stay there and I'll walk up the road to get help. The car was already losing its warmth. I just need to hold out until I get back, I thought. And I trudged through the snow, but what I did, what did I hope to find? I had been on the mountain for at least five miles and hadn't seen a single house along the way. The road stretched out before me, looked the same, black and empty. Lord, I don't know what to do. How can I keep my wife and baby safe? Everything felt out of control. Going to Vietnam, the blizzard conditions, the cliff. We hadn't made it my, to my first post, and I'd already failed to protect my family. I was still praying loud, though chattery chattered teeth when I stepped right through the snowdrift. Help! I screamed, trying to claw my way out. I could barely hear myself over the howling storm. Then a soft sound drifted to my ears on the wind, and I strained to listen. Was that a Christmas carol? Joys of the world, a chorus of men sing off in the distance. The Lord has come. I yelled for a little help. I yelled out for help again. And out of the snowy white curtain stepped three lumberjacks. They were tall and barrel-chested, dressed in suspended red plaid and thick wool capes. Caps, sorry. Each one had a bushy beard and kind eyes. If I was hallucinating, man, this is mighty vivid. Help me, I said. Was talking to a mile a minute, explaining the danger my family was in. Though it all lumberjacks remained stoic, their faces radiating strength and composure. I felt warming, just warmer just looking at them. Show us where the car is, one of the men said, and his voice was jovial, as if he wasn't worried at all. The three men, the three pulled me out of the snowdrift, and I led them back to the cliff's edge. Rosalind and the baby was still settled inside. Put it in gear, we'll push, one of the men instructed. I nodded and climbed into the driver's seat. The three positioned themselves behind the station wagon and gave me a signal to press on the gas. Slowly, we inched forward until we found ourselves back on the road, moving forward. Behind us, we saw the lumberjacks waving goodbye, but we couldn't stop to thank them. Couldn't help but think. They saved our lives. We picked up speed and snowstorm eased up and the road became less slippery. By the time we descended down the other side, we could see the sunny skies and signs of the highway in the distance. I knew God had protected my family when I couldn't, just as I knew he always would. Afterglow. Most illustrators, according to Grady McFerrin, left. The artists that created the three lumberjacks that opened the story end up drawing their own face over and over again. It just happens, he says. And we think that he couldn't have picked a more suitable model for the angels in this story. Back in 2002, Grady was growing out a beer and collecting some vinyl shirts. One day, walking in this street in San Francisco, somebody shouted out to him on a passing car, Get out of the street, lumberjack! But the Grady wasn't pretending to be a logger. I was pretending to be a drummer in the Clearwater Revival. Oh, my God. You can see more of his work and follow his blog about the illustrator at G. Mill. Okay, let me spell it out. G M I L L U S T R A T I O N dot com. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, just thank you everybody for listening today. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Gosh. Okay, let's do our closing prayer as as our tradition. After a moment of silence for someone who's out there or within who's still suffering, God, grant me serenity. 
to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the thing I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back next week and bring your family and friends. And I love you very much. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have strength to face whatever is ahead. Just remember you're never alone. You may message me with your concerns or requests for prayers or anything else. And you also may write me at Char McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. God bless you. Bye-bye. Oh, my God.